It's like playing Madden, like, but in Madden. Wingstop, 20 piece. See, he drums only. This team on flats. Stafford's been the best quarterback I've played with. Um, the guy can flat out play. I can always do work, bro. I can always do work. Y'all know what I am. Round six, pick 200. I can always get work. Okay, it's the week two preview, Back Judge Podcast. And I'm with Tommy Murray only. It's reminiscent of one of our former NFC East division preview podcasts, I believe. And I think, I think I'm going to call this podcast Peak Audio because we won't have Lee's crappy feedback audio that I'm going to have to edit out. So this is going to be nice. This is, yeah, this is by far going to be, you know, the best podcast we've ever done. We got the Sharper Murray on, on for the, you know, the first time in a while. So we're, we're looking forward to getting after it. What a, what a slate we had this past weekend, huh? Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, I think if you had to say something for myself, it would just be, I got humbled a little bit. Yep. I mean, yeah, Lee was saying the same thing. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm feeling cautiously pessimistic about this NFL season now after week one, just because I think there's a lot of teams that just think aren't really that good. And then a small amount of teams that are just elite and I think can kind of just take over this season. I, I don't know. I think we'll get into it a little bit this week. For when sure. we preview Some of these games, but um, it was kind of disappointed by some of my teams that I thought could be somewhat frisky this year not being as frisky so yeah I'll, I'll leave it at that for now yeah same here and I and I will uh, I'll leave it as that as well but I'm I think we both should try to not fully overreact but there's definitely you know reason for concern with a lot of the teams that we were backing so let's uh let's get into it shall we shall we start off with this Monday night NFC South tilt down in uh South North Thursday Carolina? night you mean Thursday night my bad my bad Thursday night yeah we'll, we'll start off with that Thursday night tilt uh, it's the Bucks and the Panthers, baby. Bring it on. Uh, both 0-1 teams right now, and I, I think I wasn't too shocked to see the Panthers fall to the to the, uh, to the Rams. Um, and it, it wasn't even a thing where, like, the Rams didn't look that impressive either. No, they did yeah, not. I didn't, I didn't think. So I um, wasn't too shocked to see them fall to the Rams either, and it makes it worse for them that, it was at home and in a game that the Rams maybe didn't trot out their, their best effort there. These Thursday night games always get a little crazy, but with from what I saw with the Bucks week one and, and Jameis' issues, uh, even with Bruce Arians, they're still throwing some brutal picks and ultimately the one that, that sealed the game. I'm going to lean Panthers here just because they're at home and uh, I didn't love what I saw from the Bucks. Yeah, I'm leaning Panthers here as well. Uh, I do think they have a better team, and it really, for me at least, in, in kind of a nutshell, it comes down to the defense, and I know that I'm going to be getting a better performance out of uh, that Panthers defense, and I think the Panthers defense played reasonably well against the Rams. Uh, I think they, you know, the Rams are having some execution issues, but the big pan- uh, takeaway for the Panthers is Cam Newton is, does not look to be healthy right now. There, he is. It's weird watching him throw. He's He has kind of this... I feel like his shoulder is still affected and he, and he's playing through pain right now. And you just, that's not a recipe for success as we saw in the past, you know, ever since that Steelers game last year when he initially got hurt by, from that TJ Watt hit. Uh, so I think these are, these two teams are clearly, um, and I guess we'll get into the Falcons a little bit later, but these two teams to me, 
And I think for you too, I mean, we both had them as the, uh, the third and fourth team respectively in the division. And that's how it kind of looks like it's going to shake out. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree completely. And I, this is definitely somewhat the, the matchup of the, the two lesser teams of, of that NFC South. And we'll see with the Panthers too, if they keep kind of going down this downward trajectory here, I think you could see Ron Rivera getting a little trouble. Um, I know Cam Newton has some contract stuff going on as well, I believe. Yep. So that, that could get interesting here as we, as we go down the line. Yeah, I believe Cam has – this might be his last year or next year for sure I think it might be his last year. So he's definitely – you know, his time could be winding down there. And maybe just to touch on the Bucks since Lee is in here, but, man, they looked god-awful in that game against the 49ers because, you know, me being the 49ers guy, I – the 49ers really should not have won that game. Uh, you know, they did not play well, and the Buccaneers managed to play worse. And it's kind of, we knew that Jameis Winston was going to have trouble not turning the ball over, but he just manages to just be completely reckless. Like, it's either one. And do it like, at the worst times. Exactly, yeah. So, I mean, the the, the Bucks D was a little feisty, and I, and I thought they played well, and... Obviously, you know, Godwin and Evans and, I mean, O.J. Howard had a little bit of a rough game. They have the talent on offense, and Ronald Jones really impressed me too. I mean, he looks like he's a little bit bigger and was running with a little bit more purpose compared to last year, but Jameis just isn't the guy. So I'm kind of just always going to be fading the Bucks, really. What do we have up next here? Do we have – we got Cardinals and Ravens? Yep. Yeah, so the Cardinals after this that, – that unbelievable tie that happened at the Big Toaster – which I think I'll get more into when we preview the Lions game. But uh, they're visiting Baltimore. Baltimore, a team that completely trounced the Dolphins. That thing was over in about seven minutes, really. Uh, Lamar Jackson was like seven for seven with three touchdowns and 270 yards at one point in the first half, I believe. And, I mean, I'm impressed by their performance. I think the Dolphins potentially are way worse than maybe any of us expected them to be. But mm-hmm. for the Ravens to go there and really just, I mean, make that thing over from, from the starting gun was, was impressive. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of what at least I was expecting last week. Uh, you know, I looked back to the week one last year when the Ravens trounced the Bills. And I think this, you know, obviously they, they really, it was almost a carbon copy of that Bills game. They were thoroughly dominant. And, you know, Lamar Jackson, I... I really still need to see him against a legitimate defense where he's converting third downs. And I feel like the, you know, the Dolphins really just sold out on the run and were going to force Lamar Jackson to beat him with his arm. And he just was having easy throws. And they're just a much better team. So, and, and I think they're better than the Cardinals, too. And, and you know, from the Cardinals' perspective in that Lions game, uh, you know, the Kingsbury-Murray uh, you know, partnership was, was awful for the first three quarters of that football game. And really, I think once Kingsbury, they kind of got out of formula and they just let Kyler kind of play backyard ball. And you kind of saw the, the you know, the skill set that made Lee and I both so high on him and the, the, you know, the type of throws that he can make with accuracy on a dime with his athleticism. So I look forward to maybe they're just going to have to be better against a Ravens team. That's defense is going to be much more disciplined. And, you know, I think the Ravens are just a better team than the Lions. And, so, and a team that will have better coaching. Yes, 100%. Yeah, I mean, um, I think you saw in that in that Cardinals game, once they kind of got away from those gimmicky screens mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff and just went five wide and let Kyler operate, yep. the thing took off. And I finally saw the appeal, I guess, of the spread system in that fourth quarter because you have 
I think in the NFL, a number four receiver versus a number four corner is a matchup you're always going to win. So it's like you have these kind of no-name guys, but they're going up against guys like Jamal Agnew or mm-hmm. D. Virgin because the Lions have to put five um, or they have to put six. They have to be in a dime package and put yep. six corners on the field. That's really when you're going to win those matchups. And the D line was absolutely gassed in the fourth quarter. Yeah, they were completely gassed in that in that fourth quarter. And you know, I expect the Cardinals to to be better, but. Um, and I, and I completely, I mean, I didn't really think about that, that point, but that's a really good point. Uh, because usually your fourth or, you know, fifth receiver is a much better than, a, especially a team like the Lions that are a little bit shallow, especially with Oriare being out, um, at that corner position. Um, but I expect, you know, I, I'm going to pick the Ravens to win. I think that they're just a better team. It kind of just goes back to what I said last week. Um, you know, I think next week when they play the Chiefs, that's going to be their, the first real, Test, I think, for the Ravens. Um, but I expect them to beat the Cardinals simply because they're a better team. I'm, I'm with you there. I'm with the Ravens. So let's jump to the Chargers-Lions game here. And I just, I, like we were saying with that Cardinals game, the Lions, I, I, Charlie Brown sent a, a, a nice long text to myself and J.P. Shady. And he was he kind of hit the nail on the head for me. And it's that, like, this roster is, like, really, really good. And the coaching is pretty, pretty bad. And I think that's yeah. where you're at with, with Detroit. You just saw that team fall apart in the fourth quarter and not really know what to do. The offense did come back, but then Bevel calls the timeout, and you see Stafford on the sideline saying, just trust me, trust me. And it just isn't all there between the coaches and the players. I think you can kind of tell that. Um, So this is a must-win game for Detroit. After coming off that tie, I think they're lucky to not have lost it. And obviously, mathematically, a tie is worse than a loss. Or I'm sorry, a tie is better than a loss. But mm-hmm. for the Lions, you got to feel like you did lose that game because you let them right back into it and just blew the whole game. But the Chargers did not look too hot against the, the Colts. And Hunter Henry just went down with a list Frank injury. You got Melvin Gordon still holding out. Their offensive line isn't that great. You have Derwin James out on the defensive side of the football. This is an extremely winnable game for Detroit at home. Uh, I mean, it definitely is winnable, and they definitely do have to win it. Um, but I'm just leaning Chargers uh, just because I think they're they're a safer pick. Uh, I you know I think maybe the Chargers' performance last week was a little bit more a testament to the Colts and the fact that the Colts I think are a little bit galvanized this year with luck and everything, and this team is still pretty talented. And I think Brissett has shown that he has the ability with a nice surrounding cast to stick around in games. And I just think the Chargers, obviously Hunter Henry going down is pretty big, but you know I think Eckler is going to be huge again. Uh, Justin Jackson will fill in nice as their their second back. Um, and I really, you know, Taylor Decker looked awful in that game. He I mean, obviously terrible. he was going up against Chandler Jones, who's a very formidable force. But you're going to have Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa coming off the edge. I think that's a clear advantage for uh, the Chargers and. I, I do think the Chargers are a better team. Again, this is a must-win for the Lions. It's their home opener. Um, I, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if the Lions are going to win, uh, but I just I got to go with the Chargers just because I think they're a better team. Yeah, I think that's a good point, Tommy. I, I didn't I forgot about the Taylor Decker performance amongst a bunch of other things that went wrong in that Detroit Cardinals game, but he was getting undressed by by yes, Chandler Jones, and completely. it was just unfortunate because I know that Taylor Decker isn't an elite talent at, at tackle, but you would expect that he could hold his own yes or just like not 
be nearly Not as bad as he was. I mean, it was yes. it's hard to explain how how awful he was. He looked like a backup, and I you did him play a lot better than that. So I think you're right that that matchup could be an issue for Detroit. So I, I don't know. I'm just holding on to my hope here that this is the one that they have to win. Yeah, I mean, you're completely right. They do need to win this game, and it is a winnable game uh, just because the Lions don't have a bad team. But uh, How about the know, Hawk? Dude, how about the Hawk? The Hawk looks great. Uh, I, I mean, I think it's – their team is awesome. I, I, another question I had was – why isn't Carryon Johnson getting more touches? Why yeah, I don't know. CJ Anderson, like, I just don't really understand what they're going for on offense. The only Galladay, thing I can think of is that Carryon does have injury stuff in his past. Yeah. So I, they're trying to ease him in. Yeah. But Carryon can do. I mean, he can do a lot of stuff out of the backfield, catching the ball. He obviously can run, but he only had seven rushes, I think, in that game. Yeah. And you know, they were up for a lot. But th- that that kind of goes to the coaching. They kind of went into coast mode in the in the second half, and it kind of bit them in the butt. So. Uh, I'm just going to take the Chargers as a team that I think is is better and can execute better. We can move on here to the Colts and the Titans. And the Titans were a team that impressed me. Uh, I was yeah. I was tuned into a lot of the 1 o'clock games just on the red zone jumping around. And this was a game you saw a lot from early. And then in the second half, you just saw that score keep going up and up and up. Uh, and I think it highlighted a lot of the issues that we saw with the Browns. And to, to Lee's credit, this was his risky survivor pick last week, and he nailed it. And I think – you know, the Titans aren't going to – they're just a good coach team, man. I wish Rabel was in Detroit instead of Patricia. Uh, I've said that for years. And uh, I, I just think the Titans showed a lot, and I think it will be an interesting game with the Colts, who, like you said, were a team that was somewhat galvanized and did not look defeated, at least, you know, against the L.A. Chargers. Yeah, the Titans were incredibly impressive. I mean, first we gotta, we got to address the fact that Harold Landry got, had two sacks and already is – Two for eight for the, for the season for getting my prophecy, and secondly, I was incredibly impressed by you know new offensive coordinator Arthur Arthur Smith uh, has come in and really you know Derrick Henry is the lead back. It's not like last year with Lafleur where uh, Deion Lewis was kind of their guy and and Henry it, they when they really started to work him in in the latter part of the season that's when he really was a workhorse and was one of the better backs in the league. And this team, despite missing Taylor Lewan dealt with a Browns defense that I thought was going to be better. Um, you know, I just, this team with, oh, and, you know, we can get into the Jaguars in a little bit, but I, you know, I, I'm with Lee. Lee gave us a text before and said now with Foles out, he's moving the Titans into that that spot. And I think this is uh, a little bit of a two-team team race between the Texans and the Titans. Um, but to be honest, I think I'm going to pick the Colts in this game. Wow, I like kind of, that. I'm feeling the Colts, and I don't want to overreact too much to the the win over the Browns. I think the Titans really wanted to beat the Browns, and they they obviously we saw a post game from Delaney Walker, uh, you know, parodying Dennis Green, the, the famous famous quote, uh, Kenny Vaccaro too. They just really wanted to beat that Browns team, who they saw as as overhyped. And I think this Colts team, uh, as we talked about with the Chargers game, I think that they just present a certain floor. I think they have. A really good offensive line, a good defense. They're built well. T.Y. Hilton still is playing really good, and and Jacoby Brissett, I think, is you know a top twenty quarterback. I think another thing that's interesting to point out too, um, with the Titans is just that we've kind of been crapping on Mariota a lot, and he mm-hmm. he showed he played well, um, and I even A.J. Brown too had a really nice game. One thing I did want to say that you reminded me of when you talked about Derrick Henry. He had his big screen pass, big screen pass touchdown. Yep. And 
the for some reason, I don't know what is going on with the NFL referees, but they do not call legal linemen downfield anymore. And it's really frustrating me. And I've seen it a bunch with the RPO teams, like the Eagles were doing the RPO a lot, was it two mm-hmm. years ago? And you'd have linemen four or five yards down the field on these run-pass option plays, and the refs aren't calling it. I saw it a ton in the Lions-Cardinals game, too, with Cliff yeah. Kingsbury's scheme. I don't know what they're looking at. or like I, I, It's something that's making me upset, because on that Derrick Henry touchdown, it should have been called back, because there's... I, I don't know if he caught it maybe ahead of the line of scrimmage or something like that, uh-huh. and that's why it was not called, but... It's just it's just frustrating. I, I've what, seen a lot of plays in the NFL me, with. Go ahead. Well, just re- remind me of the rule. So you, as when the receiver gets if the ball, not, if they you have, have to be. You have to be between like two. It's like you have to be within like th- two or three yards of the line of scrimmage. Like you can't go ahead of that if the ball is completed yeah. past the line of scrimmage. And for some yeah. reason, the refs aren't calling it, and it's frustrating me. So sorry to go on that little tangent that, there. It was no that just it just brought upon me from the Derrick Henry play. And, well, another thing with the whole clapping thing with the Cardinals, and they rightfully were upset when Stafford there's, – there's not a lot of – the precedent really isn't there for the NFL no. on a lot of things and officiating and suspensions, a lot of stuff. So, you know, it's a little bit of a, of a crap show. And a lot, time, of, a lot of uh, white hats had retired last year. And the NFL yep. is kind of losing a lot of these officials to TV jobs, and I think that's, that's a pretty big problem right now. Then I think somewhat they're trying to help them out with these reviewable penalties, but it's like at some point you just got to make everything reviewable, and yeah. I don't know I don't know what the answer is. And also, I mean these re- these reviews take too long. I mean there was one review in the Lions game that I was like, all right, we see it, like it's over, let's let's yeah. move on. And uh, yeah. I don't, it's just been fr- I don't know if it was in the Lions game. It was this one some play where they called a fumble and it was clearly down by contact. And it's like yeah. let's just get the game rolling here, but. Yeah. Um, with that said, let's go to the Niners and Bengals. And the Bengals were a team that I think played really well on the road. I, John Ross had his coming out party. He was a guy that's been a little bit of a back judge uh, punching bag. And uh, he, he played pretty well. And I, I, think, I think you saw the holes in this in the Seattle team too. And they're, they're a squad that for me was like one of those frisky teams where it's like really you're playing into the fourth quarter here and you can't put this Bengals team out of commission. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the Bengals are have kind of impressed me. Uh, you know, I, I'm not going to – I do think the Seahawks aren't as formidable of an opponent as they've been in years past. But Andy Dalton, I think, played really well in that Seattle game. Obviously, this could be a little bit of shades of last year, how we saw the Bengals go on that 5-0 and start. And then once they played the Chiefs and the Saints and some more legitimate opponents, they just crumble. Uh, but this is a team that I expect to be to be frisky. Hopefully, Joe Mixon will be back and and healthy. Uh, and I think that you know they they finally after having Marvin Lewis for the past you know fifteen or sixteen years, whatever it was, I do think that Zach Taylor has rejuvenated this team a little bit. And on the on the other side, the Forty ers uh, you know they got the win in, in Tampa, and it was good to see that they won that game. And you know they played reasonably well. The secondary looks a little bit better, and they finally got a touchdown, which they had none of last year, or no interceptions last year, and they finally got that. Uh, and, you know, I think Nick Bosa, their defensive line look, looked good. Nick Bosa was looking really, really good as well. Um, you know, but this is – I'm kind of leaning to the Bengals in this game. You know, Interesting. I, yeah, I mean, the 49ers I, weren't too impressive, you know. They weren't too impressive, and I hope I'm wrong, and I hope the 49ers can go out and, you know, beat the Bengals and beat a team that I think they're better than. 
Uh, and maybe they, you know, I, they should be playing better offensively. Garoppolo was a little shaky. Their whole team was just a little shaky, and maybe that's all week one uh, brouhaha. But I expect the Bengals to be kind of frisky, you know, at home in their home opener. And, you know, the 49ers have to play better than them. They can't let the Bengals hang around, or I think they're going to win. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point. I'm still going to go with the 49ers, I guess. I, I admit I didn't watch a ton of either of those games. Uh, you know, I, I've heard bits and pieces about that Bucks game from you and Lee, but I'm just going to lean 49ers until I see more, um, you know, from the Bengals. And I'm still just not totally sold on their whole thing going on there. It could have been – I know Andy Dalton threw for 400 yards or whatever, and maybe Zach Taylor's bringing him on, but I feel like – eventually this Bengals thing might might come down to earth a little bit once defensive coordinators figure them out and stuff. And I'm just going to roll with who I perceive to be the better offensive coach in uh, Shanahan. Yeah, and as a 49ers tr- truther, I was talking about how their schedule is really advantageous. So this is a game that they really need to win when they start to play some of those better opponents. This is a team they're better than, and you know they need to, to come out with a dub in this game. Um, let's move on to Jags and Texans. And I mean, this is a game, I think I'm just, this is my survivor lock of the week, I think, now with with uh, Gardner Minshew in there at quarterback for the Jags. And he performed pretty well. But uh, the Texans, I think, were really, showed really strongly on Monday night. Um, just, you know, I think they, they probably were kicking themselves a little bit that they could have had that game. But ultimately, I think they come home and beat a Jags team that is now lost their starting quarterback. Yeah, um, I mean, the line's nine. I don't know if i take the Texans on the line. I, I definitely expect them to win, but I do expect this to be kind of an AFC South slugfest, much like we saw, um, you know, or much like I was talking about with Indianapolis and Tennessee. But, you know, the Texans were incredibly impressive in that game in New Orleans, man. Um, and, 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 you know, conversely, the, the Jaguars, their defense, maybe it was just the Chiefs are, are the Chiefs and they're the number, the most potent offense in the NFL. But the Jags' defense, I think, showed that it's kind of on the, more of the side of last year than two years ago. Uh, and the Texans just are a better team, and, and, they, and they need to win. You know, this, is, this really needs to be, you know, the Texans' year to – they've given up so much draft capital and, and you know, future – this is Deshaun Watson's last year on his rookie contract. I just – they really need to make this season their season. Uh, so – I'm definitely going to pick the Texans at home at Jacksonville, but I don't know if uh, there might be a little bit more of a survivor lock later on, in, uh, in my opinion. So we'll see. Fair enough. Fair enough. You know I like the Texans this year. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, man. Um, this is one of my favorite matchups of the week, and that's Vikings at Packers. The Vikings, I think, other than the Patriots, are probably the strongest looking week one team, in, in my opinion. And the Packers, I don't think, showed that well on Monday or on the Thursday night kickoff game against the Bears. But at the same time, it's like, hey, you got that road win Let's just against that elite defense. Let's just move on and, and kind of fix some stuff over this almost, you know, a half bye week. So uh, I'm going to lean. Uh, I, no, I'm not leaning Vikings. I'm picking Vikings for sure in, in this one, just of how strong that they looked. But definitely wouldn't be surprised if the Packers kind of got it together a little bit and made this one a game. Yeah, man, these are two teams that, that both impressed me. For Green Bay, it was mostly on the defensive side. I'm going to try and not overreact, but I do really think that they have probably their best unit that they've had in, in quite some time. Uh, the offense was a little disappointing, but I expect them to, to, you know, to start to get that together, mainly due to the fact that I'm just going to kindly put blind trust into Aaron Rodgers. But, I mean, the Vikings, man, and, and this is a team that 
I was kind of sliding in, in the preview and I said I expect them to be in the conversation, but I don't know if they just have the, the top-end talent and execution to put themselves in a stacked NFC uh, you know, playoff race and, and conference. But, man, they looked really good. I still am a bit skeptical you know, still of Kirk Cousins, unfortunately. And he only threw for 98 yards, and that was just you know, mainly due to the fact that Dalvin Cook had himself a day and, and looks like he could be an early favorite for the rushing leader in that zone run scheme with Gary Kubiak. He looked incredibly comfortable and looked like back like he did at Florida State. Uh, and then their defense was really getting after a Falcons team that I expected a better performance out of. So the Vikings, I, I completely agree with you, along with the Patriots and, and maybe my Cowboys we can talk about next. We're the three most impressive teams, I thought, in week one. Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the Packers at home. Uh, Interesting. Just because I'm going to just, it comes down to Rodgers over Cousins. I still need Cousins to decisively win in a quarterback battle. And I think that the Packers now have the defense to maybe they're not as good as the Vikings, but at least sort of match up with them and make this more of a an offensive uh, showdown. Yeah, I think I like that idea of Cousins kind of winning this one against Rodgers. Um, and those two defenses are definitely um, pretty stout. So it should be a really nice matchup at Lambeau. Um, how good is Darnell Savage, man? Savage. I just wanted to I, Darnell Savage, man. I was so hyped watching him on that Thursday night. Him and Amos, uh, you know, I don't know. I I saw him as very Eddie Jackson esque in the you know the pre draft process, and I'm not going to go on, out on that limb yet. But he definitely just looks uber impressive, and just kind of goes to show you both of the Smith brothers look really uh, you know good and. Uh, on the edges, so I just am kind of buying this this Packers defense. Tommy, do you want to uh, preview this boys game here? Yeah, um, this. Uh, I hope that this isn't uh, you know foreshadowing for a roller coaster of offensive inconsistency, but I, I have reason to believe it's not compared to last year. But uh, you know, this Cowboys team was really impressive to me. Uh, the Giants are not a good football team, and I think they, especially than, on defense. You know, say, I mean, their defense, I was really re-listening to our, our week one, you know, uh, pod, with, and Lee was talking about maybe this secondary being a little feisty and underrated. I don't think so, man. They they looked, their secondary is awful, their D-line is awful, their linebackers are awful, and this is what I wanted to see out of the Cowboys, man. Uh, they, they beat a team that they were clearly better than. Um, other than the, the Giants scoring first, it was ca- all Cowboys from that point on. And the biggest takeaway for me is, uh, is is Kellen Moore's offense, man. This offense looks new and improved and really tailored to Dak's strengths. They're not just beating Zeke into the ground and running on first and second down and then having Dak try to complete a third down. Uh, there's a lot more RPOs. It's a lot more new wave. And it's obviously we're going to have to see, you know, when they start to go up against more formidable opponents. But the the early returns for me as a, as a as a biased Cowboys fan is excitement and I think if if this is a consistency level that we're going to see out of this offense and the defense plays you know just lives up to the personnel they have the Cowboys are no doubt in my mind a Super Bowl threat. Yeah, I think I mean I'd like to get in a little more Kellen Moore talk maybe in a few weeks if this offense still keeps it up because he could be a guy that ooh are we moving Garrett out of the seat and uh, putting Melton Moore in there instead a little mutiny going on in Dallas yeah. I wouldn't put it past I love that. anything of Jerry Jones but the Redskins look feisty for a half I mean they they had me sweating my, out my survivor pick a little bit but I think you saw their limitations come in the second half I think the Eagles just kind of got caught off guard a little bit and the Redskins came out swinging which was good for them and good for Jay Gruden but I think the Eagles were a little bit 
too much of an elite team, and I think they're running into a tougher team this week. I mean, what a brutal start. Go Eagles yep. and Cowboys. Um, is it? This one's in Washington, right? It is in Washington. Yeah, so, I mean, at least you get them at home, but um, definitely just the skins, it's not happening for you this year. I, I can't get too excited about Case Keenum, even though he looked pretty decent for a half. Uh, just, just too much going against you there. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, now that the, you know, I really, Haskins, you know, for the Giants and the Redskins, it's it's only a matter of time between Daniel Jones, and even though Case Keenum had a nice day, Haskins really should be in there as well. Um, I hope that when they, you know, they play each other week four, I hope that's the debut for both of them. I think that'd be a nice little storyline side note. But yeah, the Redskins, man, they were impressive. Uh, Scary Terry McLaurin is, looks nice as the number one receiver. I think he, you know, I thought, I... He's just a really good player, and I, I do think that this Redskins team is frisky. It sucks that Darius Geis is having some more knee issues. He's going to be out for the foreseeable future. But uh, the Redskins, I think are I think I was right when I pegged them at number three in this division, and I do think they're going to be frisky. But, again, the Cowboys, this is a team that they're better than they should beat. Let's go to Pittsburgh where yeah, I'm going to call this game right now. It, this is Pittsburgh's last stand. For me. Yep. If you lose to Seattle at home, I'm completely out on my AFC Super Bowl appearance prediction for the Steelers. They got embarrassed in Gillette on, on Sunday night. And the offense just was not in sorts. And I think, you know, Aiden Korean has been in my ear about those that Patriots defense being being elite and it and it might just be I, I don't know what to what to think about that. I think the Patriots have had the Steelers number and perhaps that was just another notch in, in the Pats belt there, but you got to win this one at home against Seattle. You do, man. And and as someone who I believed in the Steelers, maybe not to the extent of you and Lee, but I was I was buying them based off what you guys were saying and based off what I saw in their team, especially to the Patriots have trouble uh, in home openers. We you know we think back to that game two or three years ago against Kansas City when it was Kareem Hunt's coming out party and they and they whooped them in Gillette. But I mean. <sighs> I, this is my last stand for the Steelers, too. I'm going to pick them as well. Just, you know, the Seahawks are a, forbid, a formidable opponent that the Steelers should beat. And I think it's a leg, legitimately a question about, you know, how much did Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell perhaps mask Ben Roethlisberger's deficiencies, perhaps, maybe? I don't, I don't know. Um, their defense looked clearly overmatched by uh, New England. They were really going after Devin Bush. I, I expect him to be better. Uh, this week, but this really just comes down to their offense. Their offense needs to churn. It needs to go. Um, and, and Dante Moncrief looked awful at that number two receiver yeah. spot. So they they need to figure some stuff out because Juju remind is me be- remind me to tell you about a funny tweet I saw about Dante Moncrief that is not uh, BJP family it's oriented. Not, it's not family oriented. It's not, it's not family approved. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but to that, I mean. I think that James Washington and Deontay Johnson are some nice talents, but we just need to see what this offense is going to be cooking up against a Seattle defense that I think, especially in the secondary, is vulnerable. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's the, I'm really excited to watch this one just because it's my it's my it's my pick, man. And I, they really kind of broke my heart. They humbled me a little bit. So this this one is definitely one I have my eye on, and would not be picking betting money line on either of these teams. Um, yep, me neither. The Bills, baby. Bills Mafia. Poncho Villa. Oh, man. This season's for Poncho Villa, baby. They pull it out in ugly fashion at MetLife, but that's just what this Bills team is going to do all year. And they're going to win another one in MetLife two weeks in a row. Let's go, baby. 
I am so with you, but to, to touch upon the, the week one game as, as a Jets guy, that was just a brutal, brutal loss, man. Um, you know, their defense looked, looked good, but Darnold did not have a good game, man. They did not have a good game. Their offensive line was clearly overmatched by the Bills' defensive line. Darnold had at least five or six balls batted down. It was just uh, it, their offense did not look good. Jamison Crowder, uh, fun fact, became the first wide receiver to have 14 receptions and and not and not go over 100 yards. <laughs> it was just a he's a, he's a PPR master. Um, you know the the Bills team though, they're they're a feisty team, man. They got a really good defense and Josh Allen. I hope. Will you know maybe start to figure it out? He has some Jameis vibes with his ball security and some of the throws that he makes, but they're better than the Giants, and I expect them. This is my risky survivor, I guess. Is is the Bills? Like Ooh. I don't. I guess they're favored, favored by one, but I will it's, be it's, better. It's, on it's that the Bills. Think, you can you can risky survivor yeah. teams like the Bills. They they just they are better coached and they have a better team than the Giants. Go in there, play hard football. I got the under. Uh, little sneak peek of my uh my parlay of the week is i have uh i have unders in both the bills giants game and the patriots dolphins game and i uh, i expect both of those to go through and, and make me a little bit of money so i expect a uh, a dirty uh a dirty affair pats dolphins do we need to talk about it <laughs> i uh hope the dolphins show something and, and be feisty at home against the patriots team they usually play feisty at home uh obviously they got the victory last year and the uh Miami miracle, um, but the Patriots just should win by ten points in sleep, you know, in their sleep and just be walking through. So the, the number one thing I'm looking forward to with this game is the twit, the tweeted picture of the empty stadium in the first quarter of the game. Yep, the wide shot. Yep, just seeing seeing the whole scope of it. Seeing yeah. those teal seats, baby. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna I go ex- on a limb and say the Dolphins aren't gonna be the first team to play a home game in the Super Bowl this year. <sighs> Quite the limb you're going out on. Chiefs and Raiders. <laughs> the Chiefs got Chiefs a, and Raiders. Chief, Chiefs kind of held their own against the uh, the Jags and just yep. pulled away in the end there, especially with Foles out. And the Raiders, man, uh, just a nice solid win against the Broncos. It wasn't pretty, but hey, it's it's the Raiders. It's never going to be pretty when you're playing on a no. baseball field. So uh, <laughs> it, this should be an interesting one, I guess. But I think the Chiefs are going to. Kind of almost like the same thing you had last week with the Jags, a team that might give you throw a few nice punches early, but at the end of the day, they're just going to run out of gas against an, an elite opponent. Yeah, I'm completely with you, man. And just to kind of touch upon the Raiders, speaking of another team that's galvanized, like the Colts, that whole Antonio Brown situation, uh, we didn't even touch on that because it's been, but Antonio Brown's on the Patriots now for the people that, that didn't know. That whole Antonio Brown situation has seemed to galvanize this team. And, uh, you know, I was impressed. Their defense. Is, is pretty solid. They, You know, Vontae's perfect. Looks good. Let's see how long that lasts. And, and it comes to back, back to their offense. Josh Jacobs had a great debut. He's going to have a hell of a season. Uh, Derek Carr was throwing the ball much more efficiently. And Tyrell Williams looks like he can fill some of, you know, that wide receiver one void. And then Darren Waller, hard knocks favorite. Uh, Gruden is calling him special. He looks like he could be a big part of this offense as well. So, you know, maybe I might be going back in that, that territory where – Oakland should should ease their way into that third AFC West spot because the Broncos uh, were really disappointing to me uh, as a team that you know has a personnel that they're a better team than the Raiders and you know mainly on their defense just did not have a good performance but yeah I'm going with the Chiefs as well 
Yeah, it's just, for me, it's like I said, it's just a better opponent going against the Raiders, who are just not a complete team at this point. Uh, but definitely good to see them get that win after all they went through this whole offseason with the Antonio Brown side. Seriously. I think it's nice to see them just move on a little bit and have a little mental toughness. Yep. Uh, Saints and Rams, yeah, a, sure. a pretty pretty nice matchup here going on in uh, in L.A. And I think I'm going to stick with the Rams here. I know they didn't totally play their best uh, against Carolina, but even in week one, those those East Coast trips can be kind of difficult. And you, now you got the Saints coming out to you. I, I'm I'm with the Rams here. Yeah, I'm, I'm with the Saints, man. Uh, you know, even though I, I they got edged out for the Eagles in my final uh, predictions for the Kings of the NFC, this team still. Uh, you know, I think their defense will get better, and and also they went up against you know a very formidable opponent in Houston. But their offense, man, um, you know, I think the the qualms that you guys had about Drew Brees, maybe not you know his arm strength and the lack of arm strength, and maybe the in, the upcoming regression that he could experience this year, I think we're we're valid to a certain extent. But he's just such an efficient passer, and you know, I think that was on display in Week One. They're going to to LA. They're going to be playing outdoors in a nice climate. Uh, I think they're a better team. I think that they still have some revenge on their mind from the the NFC Championship game last year, and uh, I expect them to win. I, I think that if the Rams can get off to a to a hot start, I think that would be a nice recipe for success against the Saints. If you make Drew Brees start pushing the ball down the field just a little bit more um, and kind mm-hmm. of force them to play from behind a little bit, I think that would be a good way for for the Rams to just kind of put their put their stamp on this one. Yeah, definitely. And Jared Goff needs to be better. He was not very good against Carolina, in my opinion. He was he was missing some throws, and uh, you know I expect him to be a little bit better. But you know he's still the boy king, so that's still a, that's still a question mark for all of us. And uh, only three afternoon games this this week, which is kind of interesting. But uh, let's go to my risky survivor pick of the week, and that's Denver against Chicago. I'm picking the Denver Broncos. I think that Vic Fangio has been licking his chops waiting to throw everything he's got at Mitch Trubisky. Obviously, he couldn't let the poor kid's uh, you know, confidence go too low in Bears practice when he was down in, uh, down in Lake Forest. But here I think he can, he can just turn up the heat a little bit, and it's going to get hot in the kitchen for Trubisky real fast. I'm completely with you, man. I'm on the, I'm on the Broncos train as well. That will be my second risky survivor. I don't even think it's, it's that risky because cause Mitch needs to prove us something, man, in order – for that to be a risky survivor pick, Trubisky was was awful uh, in in week one. You know, at home, kind of confirmed a lot of the beliefs that we've already had. Uh, and he's going to have to go down to Denver. Denver's really hard to beat, especially early in the year, going going up to the, to mile high. And I think this is going to be a slugfest. Definitely going to smash the under in this game. Um, I don't know what it's at, but it's just a close your eyes and smash it. I think both of these offenses are going to struggle against the. The opposing defenses, and I'm I'm expecting the Broncos defense to get after it a little bit more than they they managed to do uh, in Week One, and, and really give Trubisky uh, some help. I wonder if this under is going to be at like 32 or something yeah, like. I can, it could I be, can check it real could quick. Could be real uh, low. It's at 40. Wow, smash <laughs> that's, it! That's a lock. Smash it! That's a lock, man. Smash it! That's a BJP certified hit. That is a hit. Uh, the Bird Gang, the Bird Battle. Two wow. bird teams going at it here with the Eagles and Falcons. Whew, man. Uh, Falcons, just what do you, come on, breaking my heart a little bit. And uh, just, yeah. just like with the, the Steelers, I guess, I'm going to say this is Atlanta's last stand for me. I, I, if you start off 0-2 two, oh two against two other NFC teams that 
I perceive to be the other elite teams in the conference, then uh, I don't know. Atlanta and I are going to have some issues. So I got to see something from this team. Yeah, this might not be my last stand for Atlanta, but that's mainly due to do I have eighty dollars on them to make the playoffs this year, and then there will never be a last stand until that 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 bet is no longer an open bet. Uh, but they, I mean, if they lose this game, it's not the end of the world. The Eagles, I think, are a better team than them. That being said, they a hundred percent need to show something. Chris Lindstrom's out for the next eight weeks. That's not going to help. But you know, even with him. They, their line was getting abused by by Minnesota, and it's not going to be an easy task for them going up, uh, you know, against Philadelphia this week. So I, I'm leaning, I'm leaning Eagles, but with the exception that I need the Falcons to show me something and and prove me, and and I really have a bounce back game for for Matt Ryan and Julio Jones and that whole offensive unit. And also another side note, you know, the defense is healthy this year, but they look the same, man. There, there looks like there's no improvement really. And I don't know if that's a testament to Minnesota or, you know, a rough week one for that Falcons defense, but their defense just was really – other than Grady Jarrett, he was only the, re, the only other real player on their defense that stood out to me. So definitely some stuff to be to be figured out. And as I sent to our, our group chat this morning, Dan Quinn, Quinn is now the favorite uh, to be fired, fired first out of all the coaches right now. So, Yeah, I'm just going to say if – if I wasn't so high on the Falcons before the season, I would be absolutely taking Philly here. Yep. Um, but I'm just I'm have to ride with my my team here until after this game, and we'll see what happens. I mean, they got to have a huge bounce back week at home Sunday night football. Got to show something yeah. here. And let's go to the last game of the week, Monday night football, a rematch of last year's. Uh, I think it was a Thursday night football. I can't remember if it was maybe week three or week four, but the the week Browns four, and the I Jets. Um, had a wild game last time. It was when Baker kind of stepped in and made himself the, the face of the Cleveland Browns. And two teams coming off wildly disappointing week one losses, and neither of these teams can afford to go 0-2. Yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, I guess the Jets can afford to go 0-2 a little bit more than the Browns uh, just because I think they have an easier schedule. But, I mean, the Browns were just abysmal. And, you know, the offensive line was a red flag, and, and I was a little bit of an apologist for it in the, in the preseason. Uh, but, it, you know, their offensive line looked awful to start. But then the defense looked bad. My, you know, their D-line wasn't really taking advantage of a, of a Titans offensive line that's good. Um, but, you know, I think that the Browns clearly had the advantage on paper. And uh, Baker looked really bad. And, and, and you know, it looked like uh, Vrabel schemed just – Right, right into uh, you know they just were they, they dominated him. He threw three picks. They were attacking him. They were putting pressure on him. They made uh, they made Baker look really bad. So I think this is a bounce back week for both of these offenses. Um, oh man, I don't really. I'm just gonna stay away from this game and watch it. But for for Pickham's sake, uh, I'm gonna take the Browns. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm going to take the Jets. I'm going to take the Jets. I don't know. They're at home. It's going to be a must win. I think they're going to be pissed about last week and the Browns just, oh. I think the thing about the Browns that's making me pick against them here is that everything that Lee and I were more hypothesizing about why it could go wrong for them did in week one. And so yeah. I, I feel like my my assessment of them was pretty accurate. Again, I even picked them in week one. I'm like, here are yeah. all the issues they could have. This is how little I believe in the Titans. But with yeah. this this game, I think I'm just going to lean Jets because of just everything with the Browns that we predicted and that a lot of people, you know, other than us too, uh, were kind of NFL analysts were even saying like, hey, I don't know if this thing is going to totally work out. 
So that's why I'll take the Jets. And just to wrap up the podcast here, just got a text from Lee Murray. Reads, Risky Survivor, Lions. <laughs> we'll leave that at that, man. <laughs> we'll leave that at I that. I love the confidence. Risky Survivor, Lions. He, he's going fly, down baby. with the ship. Lee's yep. going down with the ship, baby. <laughs> Him and Patricia are going to be doing shots while the, while the Titanic's going down. Whew. Also, right, well, a little yeah. X factor for that Browns Jets game is uh, Greg Williams. He's the defensive coordinator of the Jets. Yes. All of uh, yes. that Fangio uh, Bears reunion. We're gonna have another. You know, Greg Williams knows this this team and, and especially that offense. So it's gonna be interesting. Yeah, it's gonna be week two. Hopefully, a few of these teams kind of show up that didn't in week one. Uh, for just for the sake of the Patriots not having another Super Bowl season, because that would that would be not good. <laughs> Yeah, well, it looks like we, uh, we're we still living in that dynasty. We're not quite out of that dynasty. Yeah, I think yet. we are. I think we are. All right, T-Bone, it was a pleasure. Yeah, man, it was great. Q, stay scheming. <laughs>